does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. Brian, no. He's Eddie Garrison here on The Fan. I want to welcome in KB, Mr. Kevin Bowen. Kevin and Query, mornings here on The Fan, joins us. KB, here you are at the State Fair this morning. Did you indulge in anything that's, like, very unhealthy but completely delicious? Well, I don't know if I've ever had a grilled cheese before 8 a.m., but I had one this morning. <laughs> um, so that I consumed, and it sat in my tummy, and it was absolutely delicious. I was hoping to get one of their mint milkshakes with Girl Scout cookie crumble on the milkshake, but then all of a sudden the sky started erupting, so Mm. we had to uh, head inside around 8.30, but I mean, if you're going to the state fair, you just got to fast for 48 hours. You got to fast for 48 hours. Um, You've got to make sure that you're ready to eat because uh, diet has not been a word ever uttered at any state fair. Now, do you go ham and tomato ever on your grilled cheese there, KB? I do not. I will fully admit that my palate is probably not the most extensive. Um, I will say, though, we had a pop quiz caller today say that he rocks a little Texas toast. Um, Is it Colby Jack, maybe? Texas toast, Colby Jack, and pepperoni. Oh, wow. On the grilled cheese, which I was like, I'm a fan of that. So shout out, I think his name is Matt. Shout out to Matt on the pop (laughs) quiz there, but... The big grilled cheese this year, their 2023 featured item, has got sourdough, which I love, sourdough bread, provolone, and then a little uh, Italian basil. Um, I am a, I will definitely be making a, a second trip down there to consume that. I talked to a guy the other day here on The Fan from Cincinnati, and he said they get down with a glazed donut that they basically use as the bun of a grilled oh. cheese sandwich. Would you be up for something like that? Well, I, you know, I'm cardiologist on line one is probably my first thought with that. I, I, I kind of like my sweets as sweets, and I like my other, you know, I, I, I'm all for craziness, you know, and, and throw it at me, but I, I like to kind of treat the donut like the sweet and the um, dessert that it is. I don't know if I want to... Not that the grilled cheese is some, you know, food pyramid item that they teach you in second grade as you should consume like none other, but I'd like to keep those separate if I could, to be honest with you. No, I hear you on that. No, uh, if we shift to Colts practice today, you were out there. Now, first thing is, did everything from the fair sit well while you're at practice? And then once you were out at practice, what were your main observations? Well, I think you can be vulnerable and you can be upfront and honest with our listeners here. I did need to go to the restroom, you know, about <laughs> midway through through Colts practice. But, I, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll toss out there. It wasn't, you know, the type of restroom trip I think a lot of people would have would have assumed. So everything's good and well. Okay, uh, good. On that end. But granted, the day is young. Um, so, yeah, what were my impressions of Colts practice? Anthony Richardson, all, all 15 starting reps. You know, I think that was... That's the daily question I think we have of just, okay, what and how is the quarterback situation being handled and how are those reps being divided up? And 
Minshew took all 15 on Wednesday, day two. It was Richardson's day. And so all 15 went to the rookie. What do you think about that, KB? I get it. The Colts are just trying to figure out who's going to be the week one guy. Would you like to see something in place as soon as possible where if they're committing to, say, Anthony Richardson in week one, I'd want to see him get all those first-team reps. I have no issue with where it is right now, but what would be your ideal timetable as they're trying to piece it together? Yeah, you know, it's honestly something Eddie and I were talking about um, a little bit earlier in the week on our podcast. I basically said when you get to, well, I guess it would have been, if, if you look at the training camp schedule, next week they go, or I guess let's just start tomorrow. Tomorrow's a night practice. Then they go Monday, Tuesday, and then off day Wednesday, and then they practice Thursday. Those two middle-of-the-week practices next week, Tuesday and Thursday, those are the two days where I start really, really watching it. And Because now at that point, you're like nine days out from your first preseason game. So I think that's when you start to kind of trend into a, does it continue to flip-flop every single day? Like, you know, seemingly the first two days have been here. Or do you start to see one of the two get, you know, three straight days of work. And that was a question I had for Shane Second on day one. You know, how do you want to handle this? Do you want to handle it every other period in practice? Do you want to handle it every other day? Do you want to go with Minshew two days and then Richardson two days? Or, and right now, he seems to be in the every other day camp. So I think by us talking next Friday, I, I would think, uh, I guess there's no practice Friday, but we'll have seen four more practices between now and Friday. I would like to think at that point, you know, eight days away from that preseason opener in Buffalo, I would think you'd see some sort of separation. He's Kevin Bowen joining us here on The Fan. One of my buddies was out at at camp the other day, and he said the first incompletion from Minshew, booze. Booze raining down. (laughs) Like, (laughs) what do you make of that? You know, uh, Anthony Richardson completed a check down to Evan Hull to start practice on Wednesday and you would have thought Peyton Manning had just ran naked across the football field. <laughs> I mean, it was like I, I, I was—I couldn't believe what I was hearing. And it, look, I, I, I get it you know, to a degree. Uh, it was a massive crowd at practice on Wednesday, easily the biggest I've seen in my now 13th training camp covering the Colts. Uh, I've not seen an opening day crowd look like that. So clearly the obsession with Anthony Richardson is alive and well. Um, and today, you know, for the 750 fans that got to go inside, they got to see a, a glimpse and a flash of, you know, why the Colts drafted on. It was a seven-on-seven rep, so you have to throw that in there because there's no pass rush, of course, in that seven-on-seven. And, you know, Richardson turned into a bit of a scramble drill, and Alex Pierce sees that and goes deep, and Richardson just uncorks about a, I don't know, 50-yard ball probably in the air. Uh, right to Pierce for the touchdown, and obviously the crowd erupted at, as you would expect. And, you know, those are the things that he brings to the table that Gardner Minshew just does not. Now, what does Minshew bring to the table? He brings consistency. He brings six straight completions to end today's practice. I want to say he's 11 of 14 through the first two days. So you know, he offers a little bit more singles, occasional double. Richardson probably offers a little bit more occasional triple home run. How about we were looking at the uh, quarterback rushing numbers from last season, like overall attempts, and uh, there were five guys that had at least 100 rushing attempts that are quarterbacks last season. And I started looking through the list, and I, I was 
I was uh, relating it to Anthony Richardson and how many rushing attempts would you like to see from the guy? At least a range, right? Because we understand some things vary and some things matter. Like, how does he run? Is he sliding? Is he trying to bowl over the strong safety? Like, that matters. But ideally, if he's starting all 17, let's just make it simple. What would be the range of carries that you would like to see from Anthony Richardson in his rookie season? Yeah, that's a good question. I don't think I'd like to see many more than like a handful to seven a game. And that's a little bit like selfish on my behalf because I want to see him as a thrower. Like that's the part of the game that has to develop. I I know he's a gifted runner. I mean, you know, you can watch him in training camp and see that. He just has a gifted ability to, you know, and this doesn't show up in the box score, but obviously, you know, this, Brian, like oftentimes guys that have great ability with their legs, it's not the sheer number of attempts. It's plays you can keep alive. It's okay today, that seven-on-seven play I was talking about, it's the ability to get out of the pocket, keep something alive, and now all of a sudden that cornerback has gone from defending you know, his wide out for three seconds to six seconds. And does that lead to a big play? So, again, I would say kind of in the five to seven range, certainly when you watch Richardson in practice versus Minshew, there are very specific plays in there for Richardson and his leg element. I do think something to point out about him, and I go back to the draft, and it was something Chris Ballard mentioned right away after the draft pick, and it was something that DeForest Buckner mentioned when he was on with us on Tuesday. Richardson is a very gifted runner, but when things begin to bog down around him in the pocket, he is not a deer in the headlights, eyes go down immediately, I look to run, which I think is an important quality to have. Um and, you know, when you go back to the draft and what did Ballard say right after the pick, I mean, sure, the physical traits were discussed, certainly, but it was poise and it was pocket presence. So those are probably areas of his game that you want to, again, see on display on NFL Sundays, and I would like to see, you know, just a little bit more of a thrower out of him. And I don't think he's going to be a guy that, frankly, I don't think you'd want him to be running at 10, 12 times a game just out of, you know, wear and tear. And then, again, also, if you're going to play him, you want to see development as a thrower. I'll spare you all of the reasoning why, but Eddie and I were throwing around our lists of Colts players with the most to prove this season, just our top three. I went with Anthony Richardson, one, Juju Brents, two, Jonathan Taylor, three, mainly based on the position that he plays. Uh, Eddie went with Shaq Leonard, one, Richardson, two, Bernard Ryman, three. So just as that being a backdrop, what would be your top three Colts with the most to prove in 2023? Boy, I am now thinking of like the article that I wrote, which is, you know, <laughs> I, did a, oh, no. I did a top five list a few weeks ago on which Colts have the most to prove. Um, I, I believe number one on the list, I think I just grouped the veteran offensive linemen together because I would make the argument there was no position group in the NFL that underperformed more last season in the Colts offensive line, given the contractual amounts of Ryan Kelly, Quentin Nelson, and Braden Smith, and then also just given the level of play that those three have reached. Um, so I'd start there. I, I'd put Leonard very, very high on the list. I'd put Kenny Moore very high on the list. I think individually, considering he was a bit public in his contract issues last spring, I would put him pretty high on the list. And then I think next you, you would get into the guys that are dealing with contract situations, and that would be Michael Pittman, and that would be Jonathan Taylor. You can make the argument Pittman has to prove that he's a legit number one in this league. Taylor, I don't think, has to prove that he's anything as a running back. It's just 
the old running back elephant in the room. I, I understand putting Richardson on there. I understand putting Juju Brents on there. But I kind of just give a little bit of a longer leash to young guys in the league, particularly Richardson when he has 13 starts. Um, I, yeah, I mean, obviously a quarterback belongs on the list, and a young quarterback always has something to prove. But I don't think anyone is sitting here expecting Richardson to go 65% and 32 touchdowns and 12 picks. Um, so that's why I probably gave a little bit of a longer leash to him and put a little bit more of a veteran focus with my picks. What's your reasoning on Shaq Leonard? Is it mainly just injury-related, being you know durable for the entire season, that type of thing? Yeah, I think it's so much health-related. Um, you know, when you've missed the amount of time that he has missed lately, you've had the amount of surgeries that he's had. And, again, he, he looked like a liability. I think he would admit that when he was on the field last season. Plus, if you look kind of deep into that contract, I believe he's got two more years on it after this year, but he's got a big out. The Colts could get out of that contract with a far less cap hit this after this season than they could have in previous seasons. So you, know, I, you haven't seen as much of it here, but you oftentimes see that around the NFL where you know teams kind of get out of veteran contracts right around that late 20, early 30 sort of window here. And so I think for that aspect of it, uh, Leonard would, would fall into that group. Okay, man. So uh, what's the weekend looking like for UKB? More junk food? Or are we, uh, we going to do a cleanse after the fair here? Well, I'll be honest with you. I was a little disappointed by the indoor practice there from the Colts because I treat the outdoor practices as my workouts right now, just standing on the sideline and just sweating in this, you know, whatever, 95-degree heat. So tomorrow night's practice, my goal is to sweat off the grilled cheese, Outside of that, a little family time on Sunday. Um, nothing too crazy. Yeah, we don't we don't have anything too 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 crazy planned. Hey man, I hope it's great. Uh, like lack of crazy, there's nothing wrong with that, man. I hope the lack of crazy goes very well for you, KB. And I'll catch up with you soon, man. Have a good weekend. All right, thanks, boys. I appreciate it. All right, KB. There he is, Kevin Bowen. Kevin and Query. Mornings here on the Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. I'm Brian No, He's Eddie Garrison here on The Fan. I want to welcome in Stephen Holder, Colts reporter for ESPN. Had some reports recently about Jim Mersey's comments and all that good stuff. First off, how's everything in your world, Stephen? Everything good, buddy? Yeah, a uh, little, little uh, frazzled today. I'm, I'm actually uh, spending a little time with the Bengals, filling in on, uh, on the Bengals today. With, uh, it was a little Joe Burrow news you might have heard. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, yeah, but um, that's, what I'm, that's what I got going on. The Bengals practice right now. Oh, wow. Yeah, I was about to say, there's not much going on there, right? Not, not much. You're going to have to do some heavy digging. What, what's, the, what's the feeling like around that team right now with Burrow, yeah. you know, having that calf injury yesterday? You know, they've been here before. You know, I think that's kind of the sentiment. You know, they, they have had a lot of time without Joe Burrow in the lineup. Certainly, the, he, he tore that ACL his rookie season in 2020. Uh, he was still rehabbing it when he came back in 2021, and then last year he tears his, or excuse me, ruptures his appendix of all things, and, and has to miss <laughs> miss time last training camp. And it did affect them, I do think. You know, last year uh, at the start of the season, they had a slow start, so that's the question now. 
you know, not whether his season is over necessarily, but how much time does he miss? And then what is the effect of it on the back end? But just to finally wrap it up, and I was in uh, in the stadium earlier and, and near uh, the Bengals locker room, and, and they had the music blasting, and they were turning up in there, man. And so it looked like they were having a good time. So I don't think they're worried about it. <laughs> <laughs> right. You can't do anything to change it, right? You might as well blast right. the music in the meantime. How about this situation with Jim Ursay? You know about the initial tweet where he's basically saying, hey, this is the running back market. There's a CBA. We're not changing anything. Of course, there's a ripple effect as it pertains to Jonathan Taylor. Then he comes back and says, we love Jonathan. It wasn't meant to be anything related to Jonathan. And, oh, by the way, we haven't offered him a long-term contract either. Like, What do you make of the last couple of days with what Jim Irsay has been tweeting and saying? Yeah, so he, you know about the initial tweet, as you just mentioned. And then so yesterday, you know, obviously we, we all want to advance this story and, and figure out where this whole thing is going. So I, I reached out to Jim Irsay in an effort to – you know, to see if, if he could maybe you know, move the ball forward a little bit and give me some some context about you know some things maybe we don't know or just where what do we what do we not know right and where what's where this going and that turned into I think him wanting to to clarify his statements obviously the initial statement which it wasn't directly directed at at Jonathan Taylor I think that's true but I could also say. I don't blame anyone for making the connection to Jonathan Taylor. Okay. Because the overall sentiment was him saying, Hey, you know what? You know, these, these running backs, they don't get to change the rules because they don't like how much they're getting paid. You know, he's talking about the salary cap figure and all those things. But so that's not directly about Jonathan Taylor, but, but he is, a, he's impacted by the marketplace and how it views running backs. So if you're Jonathan Taylor, you probably didn't appreciate it. Right. Let's just be honest. So he, he really wanted to clear the air there. Whether it helped or not, I, I can't say. But that's the first thing. And then he made the point that, that they had not engaged in contract negotiations because his, his point was, look, I was talking about you know contract talks and negotiations and things of that sort. He said, well, we haven't even talked to Jonathan about any of that. And so it doesn't apply to him. <laughs> and I don't know that – I don't know if he thought that was a good or bad thing to reveal, but, uh, but certainly it was, it was definitely enlightening for me. Yeah, yeah, for all of us. Do you think that makes things worse as it pertains to JT right now? Well, he already knew that, obviously. I mean, but I do think that has informed how he feels about all this. It's part of, it is definitely part of why he has been, uh, I don't know if the word is upset, uh, but unhappy, I guess. Mm-hmm. At, at minimum, the word is unhappy. You know, how you want to you know, specifically describe it, I guess we could quibble about, right? But but he's definitely not happy, that I know. And I think the question has to be asked, you know, if and when they can resolve this, and I don't know how it gets resolved if they don't give him a deal, but if, if and when they can resolve this, you know, what then uh, do they do to, to maybe make amends? How do, you, how do you get Jonathan Taylor, you know, back – into the fold and, and with the right attitude to go out there and do what he has to do because they really do need him. He's, he's so pivotal uh, and, and critical to the success of, of Anthony Richardson and, and the RPO game and all the things that they want to do. So, uh, look, they need Jonathan Taylor to be content. There's no question about that. I, I do understand the views of running backs around the league. Look, those, mm-hmm. the, the game is the game, right? We know what this game consists of today. It's a passing league. 
And those are all things that, that Jim Mercy sort of stressed to me in talking to him yesterday. However, I do think the Colts are a little bit of a unique situation. This is, this is what I think separates it, perhaps. They maybe are a little bit of a unique situation because they don't have a whole lot of offensive firepower. And, and so he, is their, he has been, at least, their biggest weapon. So that's the, that's the key distinction there. Yeah, I'm with you. He's Stephen Holder, Colts reporter for ESPN. You know, if you look at Jonathan Taylor specifically and then just the running back position as a whole, where I'm not saying they should get quarterback money or even wide receiver money, but I think that the pay should be better than it is. If you've got Josh Jacobs and he has 49% of the touches for the Raiders' offense last season, I agree with Najee Harris, like – They're only devalued at the negotiating table. It's not like the carries are way down and the production is way down. It's just the pay is way down, right? Yeah, look, I mean, I think that, I mean, the the 49% on Josh Jacobs, I mean, that's that's just really eye-opening, you know? Now, I will say, I think that there is is some truth to the idea that, that running game is as much about the scheme and the offensive line execution and, and the quarterback play, it has as much to do with all of that as it does the actual running back's uh, performance. However, <laughs> we could also say that's true of other positions, right? I mean, the quarterback struggles when you don't have a running game, when your receivers aren't any good, <laughs> when the offensive line doesn't block, right? So while that's the argument, and it's not even a, a bad argument, it's true, while that's the argument, there's also an argument to be made, a similar argument to be made for other players. So, you know, should that devalue them then? And I think so. Hey, look, it all depends on your perspective on this and what side of the bargaining table you're sitting on. And, you know, depending, that determines, I guess, you know, what argument you're going to make. Because yeah. <laughs> they're all pretty effective arguments, frankly. So, but, but there's no doubt about it. The last thing I'd say is that you look at the franchise number for players around the league, you know, what, when they get tagged as a franchise player, which has been really at issue here for, for the elite guys at running back, when they get tagged, no other position gets less money. Other than kickers and punters, no one else gets paid less than running backs. And I'm talking safeties, offensive guards, whatever. It doesn't matter. Tight ends, they all make less money, or excuse me, they all make more money than running backs, which is remarkable. When you look at Jonathan Taylor, it's July 28th, 2023 you know what I mean so this is well in the distant future but what's your gut feeling as things stand right now what's more likely than not that after this season he's somewhere else or he's back here on the franchise tag or it's a multi-year extension which of the of the three do you think is more likely as we speak right now well I'll start by saying everything is on the table and I mean that including Jonathan Taylor not being here this year wow. I'm not I'm not predicting that I'm not predicting that but I am telling you, don't rule that out. You know, so you can make it that what you want. But I just think it's a the situation is such that <laughs> you have to you have to consider everything right now if you're the Colts because if, if he is truly that unhappy, which I which I uh, glean that he is, you know, you may have to consider some some really drastic measures here. So I don't know if we're there yet. I'm not saying we are, but I'm just saying I, I don't think we can eliminate anything as a possibility. That would be my advice right now as a fan. Now, as to what I think is more likely, I, I think here's the thing. Unless they really change their position, I don't think they're going to 
it doesn't seem at least as though the Colts are likely to give Jonathan Taylor the kind of offer he wants. So if that's the case, a year from now, or not even, in the spring, he's going to have his opportunity to go out there and, and see what his market is. And I think it's very likely he does that right now. So whether when, whether it ends up being a good decision for him, time will tell. I, I can't tell you. But, I mean, just not based on anything anyone told me. Just reading the tea leaves here, right? I mean, yeah. the guy's upset. He's not getting what he wants from the Colts. He's not, in fact, he hasn't gotten anything from the Colts. I'm sure he perceives that as disrespect. And so does that make you more or less likely to want to stick around, right? So that's where we are right now. Wow, that's interesting stuff. Do you think that JT would have a trade market around the league if it came to that? It would be interesting. I'm, it would be fascinating to find out. I mean, we know that position is just, you know, just really not valued right now. So I, I don't think it would be necessarily a, a situation where you're talking about a first-round pick for the guy. But, I mean, if you can get a, you know, a marquee team that maybe is, is struggling to run the football <laughs> – I mean, you talk about big play ability at that position. I don't know that you can get better than Jonathan Taylor. You know, so if you have a, an electric passing game and maybe a lackluster running game, you talk about a guy who can add some juice, it's Jonathan Taylor. So I think there could be a handful of teams that would be uh, probably more than a handful, frankly, mm-hmm. that would be interested. The question, though, is the compensation and what would the Colts be willing to accept. But we're getting ahead of ourselves, and we're mm-hmm. not there yet, but I don't think we can – I don't think we can eliminate the possibility. No, good stuff. He's Stephen Holder, Colts reporter for ESPN. We were comparing our lists today, Stephen, of the top three Colts with the most to prove this season. So if you look at rookies, I mean, some of the vets coming back from injury, contract situations being involved, who would be your top three Colts with the most to prove this season? Well, the, the first one's easy. It's Anthony Richardson for all the reasons we've been talking about since since April. And, and I think, you know, that that time is now. We're going to learn so much about him, I believe, in the coming weeks and months. And whether it's good or bad, I, I really think it's going to be super fascinating to see how he develops. I, I like his chances. I, I don't think it's going to be perfect. I don't think he's going to be – I don't think it's going to be an even progression every day. But – the skill set that he has is is pretty rare. I mean, you just don't find it. So if they can they can sort of tailor what he does to what they want to do, they being the Colts coaches, that's the thing. It's going to take a lot of smart planning on their part. I think this could work. So anyway, he's the first. I think Shaquille Leonard. And it's not that I don't believe in him. The, the question is, he's been through a lot. He has to, to, to be Shaquille Leonard, he has to be the guy – we, we saw a couple of years ago or a few years ago at the outset of his career. Can he be that guy? No one knows that answer. No one. And I think that is, is what the Colts are hoping and banking on. But if he's not that guy, then their defense is suddenly a, a very different unit. I think you saw that last year. They were good, but certainly not great. And then beyond that, I think it, it might be, frankly, the, the rookie corners. I mean, you look at Juju Brents, for example. I mean, there's a guy who's going to have to step in and play probably immediately. You know, that's that's a position where you know you can learn some hard lessons pretty early on. You know, these these Pro Bowl and All Pro quarterbacks they start cooking and and they start picking on you. How do you react? How are you going to 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 kind of come back from that? And and do you have what it takes? You know, to to get up and dust yourself off. 
we're going to learn something pretty soon about these guys. And um, time's almost here. When you look, I was looking at uh, rushing attempts for quarterbacks last season, yeah. and there were five guys that had over a hundred rushing attempts. If it's a full season for Anthony Richardson, ideally, what's roughly the range you would like to see his rushing attempts be at? Hmm. I I don't think it's really outlandish to say he he could be in that in that category. You know, yeah. 100 plus. And, and here's why. I think right now that is his biggest attribute is his, his athletic ability, his running ability. If you put too much on his plate as a dropback passer right now, I think you're asking for trouble. So plus also the, the fact that if he gets in trouble. Now, I'll say this Let me before I go on. Anthony Richardson is not one of those guys who drops back and gets a little pressure and runs out of the pocket. That is not him. To his credit, he is hanging in the pocket looking to throw the football. He wants to extend the play and then throw the ball. He is not trying to just sort of uh, get out there and use his wheels and, and, and not you know, run the, the offense. But, but there will be times when the, the game's going to start moving fast for him, okay? And, and the best option in those instances is sometimes going to be, okay, I'm, I'm just getting out of here. And frankly, if you could run the way he could, you would too. So I get it. I think he's going to be on the high side. I don't know if it's the optimum number, which was kind of your question, but I, I just think it, that's going to. I think that's where we're going to be. I think he's going to be a high rushing attempt guy this year. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think that is who he is. I think the Colts, to their credit, they'll probably just lean into that. You know, Steve, before you go, man, if um, if the Bengals said, "Hey, Stephen Holder, you're here, man. Guess what?" You get to pick a song to blast at Bengals practice because we're just happy that you're here. What song are you picking for Cincy there? Well, I would pick uh, – so I've got a lot of favorite rappers, but the king of the hill for me is Kendrick Lamar. So anything off of his first first true album, I mean, you know, pick one, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> so I would say let's think – let's think um, – you know, you got the backseat freestyle. You got all those 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 bangers from the uh, the first Kendrick Lamar album. Look, if you want juice, there's a lot of juice on that album. <laughs> there so. You, you got to go juice, right? Like you can't yes, go with something yes. that's easy. You got to go with something high right. energy, right? For practice. Right, right. Look, I mean that that was uh, there's a lot of gangster anthems on that uh, on that album. So <laughs> it would it would probably go over well at, at a football break. <laughs> No doubt, man. Well, hey, Stephen, great stuff today. You crushed it as always, and uh, good catching up with you, man. I hope you enjoy it there at at Bengals camp today. Okay, you got it. All right, man. Thank you. There he is, Stephen Holder, Colts reporter for ESPN. Wow, great stuff.